the unveiling of the company of heaven. Every man and every woman is a star. podcast. I am Eric Scavacard, one of your co-hosts for this evening, joined as ever by my compatriot and co-founder, Patrick Ryan. What's up, everyone? And tonight we have got a kind of a throwback show for you today. One of our earliest guests uh, when we first started the podcast here was Thad McCracken, and he's going to join us again uh, this evening. Uh, We're really excited about it. He's a uh, a fellow disinfo not uh, in the early days, just coming up through disinfo and first getting things published uh, on the internet. Uh, oh, I feel like Thad and our journey have kind of been uh, very parallel. Yes. So let me tell you a little bit about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely, in more ways than one. And uh, actually. So it, go, it, yeah, go it, ahead. Matt. I would I would normally not like try and start off a a podcast and when I'm on I'm like but there's there's like a really first of all I'm per, like the book that I wrote uh, transmissions from out of time if you guys have read it it deals with uh, a concept I call technological synchromysticism and what this is is I started right around when I started uh, publishing for disinfo or they picked up my writing which I've been doing for some smaller uh, Seattle psychedelic sites for a couple years um, they I started keeping an online Facebook magic journal which was this you know conversation this dialogue what what classical cultists would refer to as knowledge and conversation with your holy guardian angel so i started blasting it right onto facebook and in the process of doing that i realized that with the increasing surveillance of the surveillance state you know because everything that we're doing now is being time stamped and you know a lot of this stuff is going into public record that these synchronicities that i mean any you know, people that go into mystical states of consciousness and really pursue these things, that's often uh, what they report is what, you know, Jung calls synchronicities, is is that your life starts to take a narrative structure, you know, and, and that ultimately it starts to seem like your life is a story that's tied together in a very specific way that is very beyond your comprehension. And that, and that the idea that there's a cold, dead universe, you know, is is just that concept that, you know, over overt scientism has been selling us is a bunch of bullshit. So anyway, there is a great synchronicity with you guys asking me to be on the podcast. And it's one that, like I talk about in the book, is absolutely verifiable. So I had been writing uh, – I actually just looked because I was uh, waiting for you guys to get the Skype running. And I was like, when did we do our last call? It was May 14th of 2014 mm-hmm. at that, at, or May 19th, I think. At that point, I had been writing for Disinfo for a little over a year. I had a book coming out, but I knew it was going to take a while. I was getting bored, and I was kind of like, you know, I want to do a podcast. I would, you know, I, and I didn't really want to go to like the contact people. I'd think about contacting people to do some podcasts, uh, but I was like, eh, I should probably wait to have a book out because that's typically the way it works. You go around and you're like, hey, check out my book, you know, stupid shit like that. That's, but it's the way it works. So yeah. I was like, but you know, I was bored. I knew my book wasn't going to be out for another four or five months. It didn't come out until September of that year. 
And so I was like, I want to do a podcast, but I was kind of stalling on it because I was like, I should probably just wait till my book comes out. And you guys contacted me out of nowhere. You guys are the first people because of my writing over there that ever asked me to do a podcast. And so right as I was thinking, I want to do a podcast, you guys asked me to do the podcast. I did the podcast and it was shortly after we were finished doing the podcast that I realized that, uh, one of you guys, not only are you guys from Ohio, where I grew up, but a couple, you're, you're from Youngstown, and one of you went to the same high school as me. Is that correct? Well, uh, did one of you go to Boardman High School? Is that? Yeah, I, I, our, our, uh, our former uh, co-host, Jocelyn, mm-hmm. uh, okay. he, uh, he went to Boardman High School. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cra- crazy. And we're all from the same hometown here. Yeah. And you're all from Youngstown. And, and this, I mean, this is, I mean, talk about, and one again, once again, this is like something you can't just say. It's like, this is all d- demonstrable. You guys are the first podcast. There's a record of that on the internet. I've never done a podcast to this point. I do, you're the first one I ever do. You guys contacted me out of nowhere. And it tells me that one of the guys that I talked to my first podcast went to the exact same, you guys are all from the same area where I grew up. And one of you even went to the same high school, which is just, do you know how many high schools there are in the world? Like, I mean, do you know what the odds yeah. on something like that happening? And, and Eric, I just sent out your book yesterday and i had to look uh and i was like where does he live in youngstown you live about a mile maybe even less than a mile north of where i grew up i grew up in yeah like um forest yeah. glen on mill creek drive i looked at the address i'm like yeah you're kind of like on midlothian there right above like kind of like where near that handles was is that still there god I oh, yeah, been yeah the so first ever like, handles yeah ice cream yeah. shop still there yeah. So, I mean, this, I mean, again, that's one, and I have a lot, I mean, I have a lot of these synchronicities, but that's a pretty, pretty fucking uh, trippy and that weird was, one. That was a very weird one for sure. And all, and, you know, incredible. honestly, we didn't know any of this until no. uh, after we had completed the podcast, yeah. we were just chatting and we realized, oh, wow, we're all from the same place. You were in <laughs> Seattle at that time. We had just come together yeah. through disinfo and doing this kind of work on the internet. Um, so that those kind of synchronicities are just, uh, I mean, they're incredible, but it really knocked us out. Yeah, no, that blew my mind. And yeah, and the thing is, we did the whole podcast not knowing that. And somehow after the podcast was over, <laughs> we realized like, holy shit, like, really? Like, you guys are from Youngstown? Like, one of you right. went to Boardman High School? Exactly. And again, like, the materialists to say, oh, you know, random chance, that's what, you know, hardcore scientist, materialist people get into. And I'm like, eh, except with me, as you can see, if you kind of read more in my book, that like, it, this kind of stuff happens to me all the time. And it's verifiable. It's, it's not like you're just saying that. It's like, no, there's evidence for all of this. I'm not just making this up. Like, this is all completely verifiable. Like, I did your podcast. You guys do, in fact, live from the same home. To, you, you know, went, live in the same place that I, I grew up. You know, it's just insane. I had never done a podcast before. Before that you guys were the first people to even ask me to do a podcast right. just crazy and then the, uh, the subject matter of the podcast was pretty much on synchronicity itself you know yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly yeah very it's, strange it's but i think fun. then we were we were talking about what was to become your first book which was the galactic dialogue occult initiations yes yes Right. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, for everybody, <clears throat> I'll just put, you know, put a little bit of bio for Thad out there. He, he's an occult visionary writer, filmmaker, musician and visual artist based out of Seattle, Washington. That's what it says here on its Amazon. Um, but, yeah, we, at that time we were talking about what was the zeitgeist of your first book, this current book now, which we're, I've been incredibly excited to talk to you about transmissions from outside of time. It's uh, it's you describe it kind of as episode two. It's an extension of the first work, correct? Yeah, it's it's an extension of the first work, but weirdly enough, if 
I mean, obviously, I'm not like a super well-known writer at this point. So if someone was going to ask me like, oh, hey, I want to read one of your books, I'd recommend read this one. <laughs> like, I, 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 I like my first book. I think this one is better than my first book, by, which, you know, it's just, uh, you know, as an artist, that's what you want. You want to be progressing. But I, I, I literally do. I think this book is quite a bit better. I talk about in the first, even though it's a, it's, it's a trilogy, we're one dealing with, you know, transmissions from outside of time and talking about uh, a perspective of consciousness that is viewing human reality as a singular object. So the concept of time and order it gets gets very uh, convoluted or, or just is perceived in a very different way anyways. And so I, I, I definitely, like, if someone was going to say, hey, I want to read one of your books, yeah, I definitely recommend this one. You could go back and read the other one if you like it enough. Uh, and I talk about, I, you don't, you could read, you could not read the first one, and this one would still be, you know, almost as good. You might miss a few things. I, I summarize it in the first. I look at it like an episode. There's, you know, some shows that are very, uh, very uh, sequential, and then there's other shows like, say, Seinfeld or something that you could watch any episode and laugh at and enjoy, you know, even if you hadn't seen the previous season or whatever so yeah i would I, it's it's a book and it is a sequential it's building off my last one but you know i would if 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 truly if someone was like hey i want to read one of your books i'd be like read this one this one's better than the other one but they're both good but so uh yeah yeah so it's it, it is it is kind of continuation of what was going on in my life and it's weird because I, I have a third book already written that i'm editing uh and it's coming to come out and then it, it kind of skips forward back in time to so from to some things before either one of those books were out so yeah anyways yeah, I, I, I would I would also uh, I would add uh, if you want to listen to another podcast with Thad McCracken, you can go back and listen to the previous free radical media yes. podcast with, with, with uh, Thad McCracken. But at the same time, I, I feel that because uh, it's been such like a long journey now. We're so much better at doing this podcast, I think. I mean, don't you think? Yeah. That, oh, absolutely. We we've evolved so much. The Everything from the production quality to the questions to pretty much everything. So, yeah. Yeah, we had no idea what we were doing when we started, and I'm sure when you sat down to write the first book, you had no idea what you were doing, you know? No, yeah, no, and it was particularly weird because uh, I talk about that in this book. I mean, that book was written before Disinfo even picked up my stuff. Like, I'd been working primarily more on music for years and, and getting bands out, but I had, in fact, written an entire book, and then kind of Disinfo came out of nowhere and it took me like another year and a half to finally finish the book after dealing with multiple editors and, and having, you know, honestly giving up and editing the vast majority of it myself. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, I've definitely grown a lot as a writer and I wrote a lot for disinfo during those couple years. So it's weird. I'd finished this book and, and, and I, and, and unintentionally when disinfo picked up my stuff and also, I also just happened to not be in a band at the time. So I was just bored and, and I did a lot of writing. So so it's weird, like this audience created itself for my book that I'd already written before any of that happened, which, which is just sort of weird. But yes, I've gotten a lot better, and I definitely think this book is is a lot better. And weirdly enough, there's there's parts in the book, uh, there's one part in the book, in this new one particularly, where I was editing my old book, and I had this experience where these uh, conscious forms of intelligence were kind of making fun of some of the flaws in my last book and telling me what, hey, yeah, you could like edit out that kind of stuff, you know, and, and, un <laughs> and unintentionally what's so weird about this is I wrote it down and posted it on the internet. And then two years later, I'm releasing a book that it follows the exact suggestions. And that's not something I was doing consciously at all. Like I, I had forgotten about this transmission for a large extent. until I went back and read it again and it was like, oh yeah, they're like telling me, elements of my new book and how to make it better. And then a year after that, I decided to make this book that I did that did sort of exactly what they were saying, even though I'd on a conscious level completely forgotten this entire uh, transmission as it were. So, you know, just uh, kind of the, kind of the weird way, uh, weird way this stuff works. And yeah, no, your guys' podcast has been uh, going along great. Uh, absolutely. So talking about 
transmissions, right? Mm -hmm. What I what I yeah. found when I was going through the material is, uh, well, first of all, you know, a lot of people are going to be familiar with you from Disinfo. You're probably one of the best known Disinfo writers, I think, uh, who is currently on the site. Probably, um, yeah. It's definitely in that that vein in your writing style. And what I find from both books, especially this one, is that you outline all these ideas through, you know, very highly personal um, experience, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's yeah. it, you, you're, you're telling a story in the book. You're also outlining a lot of, like, very big ideas throughout the text, right? So yes. it's, you know, it, it feels like a novel when you're reading it. You know, yeah. it feels or an autobiography, but it's also just packed with a lot of philosophical and occult information. You know, you want to tell me a little bit about your your style and what you're trying to convey here? Well, it's genuinely what's weird about this book is this is genuinely a channeled book. And if you would have asked me, you know, God, I've been it's this is something I just realized is I've been uh, I've been uh, practicing a kind of a, a bastardizes bastardized brand of chaos magic, which I'm kind of more referring to as psych magic these days or, or trans-dimensional psychiatry. Because weirdly enough, I have a piece that I'm going to post next, next week about this. Uh, in playing around with chaos magic, one of the things about chaos magic was that you're supposed to really cater it to your own, you know, you know, cater it to your own subjective inner world, to your own microverse. And, you know, because, you know, which I think is very pertinent. And, and in the course of doing that, I, I have, but in 10 years, I honestly, when I read about chaos magic now, I'm like, what I do and what they're doing is not even the same thing, sort of. Like anymore, like it's it's like I've I like it's transformed into something that's not even it's not chaos magic anymore. And and I can't because if I read like a how to do manual on chaos magic, I'm like, which I've now done on multiple occasions, I'm like, I that's not what I would tell you to do. <laughs> like, you know, like I would tell you something totally different than that. And and, and you know, my stuff it really is, it's about channeling I I think a lot of chaos magic in general uh, kind of it's like an a-spiritual spiritual practice in a way which is weird because like peter carroll the founders of chaos magic talks about how all this stuff is derived from shamanism and i have a far more you know psychedelic based practice and and you know I'm like, but when you read about shamanism, the shaman, and then he's kind of almost like a materialist atheist in a way. He's a very technical thinker. And I see that in a lot of chaos magic. And I'm like, I'm, I'm the opposite of that. I'm way more of a kind of artistic thinker. And my stuff, it's like, it's all about spirituality. This book is kind of a year in the psychic life. And so when I'm talking about these higher concepts, this isn't something that I read about in a book, this is something that I put myself in a trance state and had a communication, which is sometimes in words, sometimes in a, a very dreamlike visual metaphorical style. Uh, and, and, and one of the things that I think I'm trying to show with this book is that we have this, you know, when I study psychology, we have this very primitive understanding of dreams. And what we like to do in an academic standpoint is say, hey, dreams are just random recountings. We try and, you know, take a, take a square peg and fit it in a round hole and say dreams are random recountings of your daily experience. They're what kept you alive at night because you had to go sleep in a cave to get away from predators. And, you know, as a psychology student, this was literally what was told to me. And then we moved on. We said, we're not sure what dreams are, one. We don't know what they are. No one's going to say that we know what they are, which is crazy when you think about it, that this is how we spend, you know, like half of our conscious experience. And science is at no point willingly admits that they don't know what dreams are. And yet simultaneously, they were like, but for the sake of your education in psychology, we're going to act like the materialist scientist version of 
uh, dreams that they are just random recountings of your, that they're not important essentially. They're just random meaningless encounters is true. And a book like this is about a lot of dreams, about a lot of these communications. And when I get into these higher concepts of higher reality, this isn't stuff that I was just like, oh, hey, I read this book and it said that the other world, you know, works like this. It's like I had this dream visionary experience that showed me this aspect and then I theorize about it. Because weirdly enough, when you have these crazy experiences, what starts to happen is you find yourself thinking about them and what the implications of them are for years after the fact. I have some experiences that happened years ago and I still on a daily basis think about like, God, what did that mean? That could, you know, that, that it's so opposite. And so what I'm really challenging is this idea of like, if you read my book and like you said, it almost reads like, like autobiographical fiction. You know, I, I, I like to think it's, it's, it's entertaining in a way I was turning myself into kind of living art, which was a, a longtime goal of, of the classic, you know, uh, psychedelicists of the, of the late sixties, early seventies was to turn your world into living art. And, and I think that I sort of did this, but if you read this book and you, you look at all my dreams and communications, and you're just like, I, I think it's very hard to argue that there's nothing else going on there. It's hard to say that, Oh, that was just random meaningless stuff. When some of it has such an obvious metaphorical meaning like that, that it isn't, it isn't meaningless, isn't it? It's not random there's something trying to tell a story to me to communicate and then it gets more meta that I'm pushing this stuff out on the internet and people are interacting with it. So, you know, I'm really, you know, a lot of people define shamanism as going into uh, other realities and trying to bring back information that's useful to a tribe. And, and that's what I do quite literally on the internet. I put myself into altered states of consciousness and I go and I publish in the internet. And the idea is that this stuff will interact with the consciousness of people. And weirdly enough, I was doing it on Facebook partially because I, I think Facebook is simultaneously cool and lame to a large extent. So I was kind of fucking with Facebook because like half of Facebook, well, I mean, it has all the polite confines. Like when I first signed up for Facebook, you know, like my wife's crazy Christian relatives friended me, like my coworkers friended me. So now you're in stuck in like safer work comedy mode, you know, it's, it's just like, yeah. you know, you can't really say anything important. So I created this other account and I only friended people that I thought would be interested. So part of what I was trying to do was just disrupt the flow of information like you're looking at like almost like in a graffiti start context you know like people are looking at you know their breakfasts and their you know friends from high school's daughter's birthday party over the weekend and then all of a sudden here's the guy uh communicating with a fifth dimensional form of intelligence and speculating about the nature of the higher realms and, <laughs> and what but what i didn't really again what I didn't anticipate in doing that was that one, a lot of these dreams would predict the future in a demonstrable way. And you can't, there's no taking it back because it was public. Like I posted this stuff publicly. So when you post something publicly and then exactly what we are talking about happens like a year after you did it, it, that starts to get into, you know, there's this argument then with the rational mind that, you know, how, how do you write that off? It might be nice for a rationalist to say, read my work and say, oh, hey, your dream, you're just making up all this dream stuff. Well, if I was just making it up, though, how did I predict the future on multiple occasions? <laughs> like, there, there's, it's like, it's like Philip K. Dick when he had his ballast transformation. It's like, it's nice to say this is all in your head. You're a creative guy. Uh, but it's another thing when he comes in and predicts that his son has this very specific medical uh, 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 illness and his son just so happens to have this very specific medical illness that, I mean, how does that happen? You know, it really blurs the line between, you know, this, this, this Western concept that we have that internal reality and external reality are two separate things. And this, uh, the, my, what, what I'm trying to do with a work like this is, is just point out that 
it's it's a lot more complicated than that. Like you cannot reduce it down to that because ideas originate inwardly and then they go outwardly. You know, it's like everything that you see in the material world started as an idea in someone's head, and we we've really blinded ourselves by ignoring altered states of consciousness and ignoring the the fact. You know, it's kind of like we think that you know, it's not a baby until it comes out of a woman's vagina, you know, but that's, that's not the way reality works. It's like, in fact, there is a baby in there germinating, uh, you know, and, and it's the same thing with thoughts and ideas. And I think it takes more of, in a, in a way, not entirely more of a kind of an art, artistic way of looking at it to, to come to that conclusion, but to a certain extent, yes, because, you know, I think artists deal with that more, you know, I think, you know, yeah, you're, you're kind of, you're germinating ideas internally before you go and execute them. And, you know, and, 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 and I, I show the relationship by that, but in the book too, but with things that I posted on disinfo and what was going on in my psychic life that led to me posting that. So I think that's sort of interesting in the book as well. Right. I mean, I think the relationship between art and, you know, shamanistic slash magical practices is, is, is they're, they're very closely related and it, it really, it breaks my heart. You know, when you see a lot of these people, uh, especially that label themselves as quote unquote chaos magicians, and they preach these overly systematic, uh, rigid ways of you know entering a trance state or doing you know their brand of magic and sort of you know yeah. subtly and sometimes not so subtly preach it like it's the only way to do it. And to me, I mean, from my experience, this has always been a very very personal. Um, relationship with the other realm you know what i mean there, there's, there's no one way to do it you know whatever works for you do it and get as deep into it as as you possibly can you know and absolutely absolutely and, and you know yeah. you see it a lot even with like um a lot of the quote-unquote neo-shamanistic people and they'll be like oh you know you, you got to learn how to do a drum get into a trance drumming or whatever and it's just like dude like you said earlier originally shamanism in its simplest form is getting into an altered state and bringing information back from that altered state and whatever, Absolutely. whatever does that for you, you know, then, you, then you're doing it. You know what I mean? The, I, I think it's just, uh, making it into some sort of weird elaborate system with all these small details. I think that's just totally missing the point, at least from my perspective. I, I agree. And, and I, Weirdly enough, it's like I, I part of this reason this came up. I got a piece that I, I was, maybe I'll finish up tonight. It'll be on Disinfo in the next few days about how I'm really I'd referred to myself as a chaos magician in the past, and yeah, I've had to come to the realization in now three plus years of writing about it on the internet and reading what other people are doing and and reading like you know how to manuals. Where personally, I'm of the mind too with chaos magic. Like you should have like high magic and low magic, and if what your high magic is is I'm going to tell you how to do magic, then that's not really great high magic <laughs> you know yeah. i'm like yeah. and this is like what i'm frustrated i'm like i wish i could tell you that there's all these great occult books out there but there aren't as far as i can tell you know i, and, I totally agree and you know it's strange uh this is another synchronicity here i was talking to a very good friend who's uh very recently uh, who's also you know a quasi public figure in the yeah. counterculture i don't know what you want to you know call it but um you know he was asking me about spiritual practice and about chaos magic, you know, and uh, I, I feel like in the early days of chaos magic, it was, it was something where you could find your own way and do things, you know, the way that you wanted to do them. It was a reaction against the systems, you know, like the golden dawn system, which is yeah. fine for what it is, but it's so regimented, you know, and so full of egos. Um, but this person was asking me about these things and, and I, 
I discovered the same thing. Like, I, I don't really know what I can recommend to you to read in a lot of cases, you know, because yeah. really most of it is finding your own path. It, it, it is. And I'm also of the mind, I take it further. And, and I think in my experience, it's not what I think, it's what I've experienced that, I mean, with me, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm in the, the realms of super weird. And a lot of Chaos Magic, one of the complaints that I realized is like, you've kind of like taken the spirituality out of magic because we live in such a materialist society that you're kind of saying that this isn't really, there's nothing really spiritual here. It's just, you know, you're just doing this kind of scientific process where you can bend reality in your favor. You know, I mean, that's kind of what Peter Carroll says. And I respect Peter Carroll and a lot of, and, 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 you know, so I personally think, and, and a lot of this is almost, it's weird being chaos magic, which is kind of like the evolution of magic, you know, what, what's become more popular. And, and I think it's huge about, yeah, developing it to your world because from what i've seen about communicating with fourth and fifth dimensional you know forms of intelligence it's like they communicate in a subjective and telepathic manner like they're going to communicate to you in terms that make sense to you and it goes even further than that i was wondering how they did this a while ago because i had this kind of crazy communication where it's like okay you are reading whatever i was talking to was reading my thoughts and communicating to me in images from my own mind and so i was wondering like how the hell does that happen and then like a couple days later it was like oh hey here we're looking at you and we when we're looking at you and this is kind of the knowledge of the knowledge and conversation with your holy guardian angel it's like we're looking at you and we can see your experience and your thoughts so like from our perspective we see like okay this is what's going on in this head so i'm going to talk to him in this manner because this will make sense to him and the difference is that we can't really see that about them necessarily unless you're in a full dream state you know but yeah i mean so this is what they were showing so one i mean chaos magic yeah i mean a lot of what i see it's taking this whole experience of like communicating with other forms of intelligence it's taking that out of it it's almost like a spiritual and also it's kind of you know most of the stuff they said I, I like i'm very weed based I, I make no like i talk about gonjitation in this book is like a lot of these transmissions i lay out early in the book like the techniques i'm using to to gain this it's and it's pretty simple in all honesty it's kind of more you know you put your own spin on this but you know, yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff is like, I work with marijuana, which makes it a lot different. You know, you're supposed to be creating this altered headspace. And I read a lot of chaos magic stuff that is wrecking like completely different ways of doing that. And I'm like, well, I would say that create altered headspace, like getting high is like pretty much the easiest way to do that. Uh, yeah. Not only that. A bit of cannabis, sure. Yeah, and I yeah, definitely but... wanted to talk to you about gonjitating, you know, yeah, because yeah. it's always, you know, especially for people who know that on Facebook, which I thought was a really innovative thing that you did in the early days, just to get people on a Facebook page into a feed and talk to people. Yeah, uh, yeah. He talks a lot about gonjitation. Uh, right? I so do. Talk, talk to me a little bit about gonjitating. Well, I mean, and I think it's important to talk about gonjitation. And, and I happen to live in Seattle. And, you know, it just so happens, like, that my writing got picked up by Disinfo, you know, right after, and and you know, want to I could get in. Don't I'll avoid getting into the whole 2012 thing. I could talk about that for a while, but you know, needless to say, I didn't think there was going to be any spiritual revolution. But I did, you know, uh, I did uh, rituals anyways, just because you know I thought it was in the language of the era. And weirdly enough, my writing got picked up by Disinfo, and this book picks up right after the 2012, right when Disinfo, right after December 21st, like my first thing got picked up by Disinfo like a week after that, which is a bit bit crazy. Uh, so, um, weed, weed just was made legal. I mean, in, in where I live, like that happened in the end of 2012, like we passed a law making marijuana legal. And so weirdly enough, so I seem to be one of the few people and like, so we have a huge industry of weed, like, it, and this is 
incredibly awesome on my point <laughs> like something i never thought growing up as a stoner in ohio like you know and i even got arrested for drugs when i was a kid i didn't think that this shit was ever going to happen like right. i did not think that we would have legal fucking marijuana and i can walk up to the store and buy high grade weed man it's fucking cheap too it's like yeah i mean I, the prices have gone down it took colorado was right on the ball but like washington it took a few years because we kind of had some shitty laws that we had to work out but now it's up and running like man you can go buy ounces for like ounces of good stuff for like 180 bucks you know like there's it's gone the prices have gone down which is cheaper than most people could get it before and and yet with all this weed culture that's coming up like nobody is really talking about the potential that marijuana can you can use it as an implement to influence your consciousness you know and and it's a pretty powerful means of doing that you know also that it intensifies the sexual experience which is another thing that we're starting to see some of that but as far as using weed as a meditational aid and it's funny in talking about this i i actually have to i want to try and reach out because there's a bunch of like weed publications out here right now like free ones they can like pick up on the corner i want to reach out and see if i can start writing for some of these and you know maybe get paid but like nobody is talking about weed meditation and that's always been one of the like that's one of the things that I thought weed does better than anything. It's like, especially though, unlike say regular psychedelics like mushrooms where, you know, that stuff is just gonna, it's so powerful. It kind of invades your reality, right? Uh, Like weed is, it's a little more subtle. Not only that, as we've seen with drugs, there's a level of hypnosis. If you think that you can alter your consciousness and enter, enter meditational states with marijuana, then you, you sort of can, but until that's been suggested to you, as long as you think just like with psychedelics, that it's all a drug and it's just fucking with your head. Cause it's just a drug, then that's limiting you. And, and for some reason, I seem to be the only one writing about weed based meditation at this point. Like I really don't even know that many other people that are doing it. And, and it's been weird that weed's been made legal. And some, somehow, I mean, there's weed articles in the local alt weekly Seattle's like every week, you know, there's sections that cover weed. I've never seen a single article with anyone talking about using weed for meditational purposes. And we're in the point where we could be, designing weed specifically for that purpose you know we could literally be saying like this is meditational weed you know this is the point we could be studying the weed and like what works and what doesn't and you know it really does seem like i'm gonna have to be the one to really kick it in that direction and largely this book i talk about the techniques it's 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 you know it's it's weed-based sex meditation essentially that's how i'm putting myself in these altered states of consciousness where i'm communicating uh you know with with these guardian entities which you know your classic occultist would would talk about and you know it's also interesting that uh, as far as the 60s counterculture i have a timothy leary album and and robert anton wilson and cosmic trigger talks about you know using weed as a means to you know hash based sex meditation he calls it as a way to achieve these classic occult you know states of consciousness because that is the one thing where the occult is a bit different the idea of using weed and sex to uh, bolster astral projection is an idea that you know it largely came from uh, occult circles uh you know and off, obviously shaman, shamanistic uh, so, circles as well and yet you know weed's now legal you know robert nancy wilson and, and, and there's like a timothy leary uh, i have this album by timothy leary it came up in my um feed i was just uh, on random and my uh, with my itunes and one of the songs came up and it comes up and i'm just like shocked because like he's talking about he's not talking about lsd he's talking about marijuana and how we can be used as this agent to facilitate social change and lead to kind of a spiritual revolution and now weed's legal and nobody's talking about this shit we have been so corporatized exactly. we have been so it all anyone sees with weed is money it's like exactly. we can make money i can make money with weed weed is like other drugs we can make money and, and it's like also, <laughs> weed is a pretty and, and man. I don't know. My first stories are getting high, and like I still like that's the one thing I can say about weed. I have a very strong action. I think sometimes when I meditate on weed, I probably get as far out there as a lot of people do on LSD. God, I had an experience a couple weeks ago where all of a sudden 
it, it sometimes it, I get into this thing where it's like I'm getting shot into a portal. Like I'll meditate for a while, and all of a sudden I'm going through this kind of wormhole tunnel. And this point, it was in, this last time that happened like a week ago. It was kind of like this crazy detailed electronic like. Um, video game ride, like race car, ro- literally like a roller coaster. And all of a sudden I just go start like shooting through this wormhole that's going up and down in all these kind of like impossible directions. So, you know, this is the kind of stuff that's potential with weed meditation is like, you can literally put yourself in these states where, you know, just visual hallucinations, you know, aud- I, hearing crazy music. I think a lot of the music I've made over the years has come from me meditating and, and, you know, in a gongitating as I call it. And, and, you know, I'll literally, I'll start hearing things like I'm a musician. I'll literally start and I can kind of control it too. It's not just that I hear these things. It's like, Oh, hmm, that sounds cool. What if I added a sequencer thing over there? And so I'm literally like constructing this state of, you know, music or, or, or ideas. It's like, there's so much potentiality to put yourself in weed inspired states and, 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 and use that for creative purposes or hell, you know, if you want to get super weird contacting, you know, extra dimensional forms of intelligence. Uh, and yet, you know what, I, I, it's, it's down to me apparently to like point this out to society. Cause like, I don't, I don't see anybody else talking about this. Like, why am I the I only think, one? You know? I think you really hit the nail on the head when you talked about the corporate influence because I, I, you know, I see that not even just with cannabis, but with anything outside the realm of human, uh, humankind, right? So all, all of the plants that we associate with, we've distanced ourselves from, you know, like, uh, just as a brief example, like corn, right? Uh, well, you see it as a source of an ethanol subsidy. You see the dollar signs. Whereas people in Aboriginal cultures in North America saw corn as being like a mother figure. It was it was food, but it was still highly spiritual. And we've completely lost that. And we've lost that with a lot of the, you know, entheogenic substances out in the world. And, you know, cannabis is definitely an example of that. You know, I mean, it's not just something, you know, there's a dollar sign behind it, you know, and it's not just something ooh, novel, new. You know, this is something that has been around in human societies for, you know, longer than recorded history. And it's a highly spiritual thing. It's a highly medicinal thing, you know, and we've lost that kind of closeness with Absolutely. the natural world, I think, due to the corporate influence. I, I really think you hit the nail right on the head. And it just – it boggles my mind that, yeah, for as much of a weed culture that there is and for as much as the psychedelic cultures and the you know occult cultures intermingle, it's wild that you're really one of the rare few that's really taken ganja meditation – to the next level. I really ha- – to be completely honest, I don't think I've really read anyone else that's doing any really serious shamanistic work with cannabis. Um, you well, know, besides the, yeah. the, the Shiva sadhus in India, you know, I, I really think you're sort of a, a trailblazer with this sort it's, of thing. You hit the nail on the head and, and it's weird because it's been – and this is one of these things where it's like – I don't, you know, there's a part when I say this kind of thing that I think a lot of people interpret it as me being like cocky or something, where it's like, no, actually... I, I spend my time, it's, it's, it's a tad alienating. I mean, I'm not gonna, like, I, it's weird, you know, I got in the occult, and weirdly enough, I was summoned into the occult, which is a story you can read about in my first book by, by some kind of weird entity, and, and so I didn't know what I was doing, you know, what I was getting myself into, and especially when I started writing for Disinfo, like we were talking with Chaos Magic, it's like me realizing, like, oh, I sort of thought I was a chaos magician, but what you guys are talking about, Chaos Magic, has 
roughly nothing to do with you know you're not talking about weed-based sex meditation you're not talking about cogitation like that's you know and not only that i mean my primary thing what i do with my magic is building relationship with things like psilocybin and weed you know psilocybin on a much more irregular basis although i've been working with microdosing lately and, and yeah no it's i am peerless like as but it's not entirely i mean grant morrison like he's he's like the one person that i i look at and of course he's on so much of a different level from working with huge corporate interests and, and but weirdly enough, even Grant Morrison, though, I mean, he wrote The Invisibles, which was a fictionalized version of his experience with, you know, things like weed, uh, gongitation. Yeah. But it wasn't – mine is like – my stuff is just straight up like here's what I did. Here's what happened. But, yeah, no, literally he's like the only one that I read, and I'm like this guy gets it. This guy has gone through some of the same things. Otherwise, yeah, I mean a lot of the stuff is like, God, like I read about like UFO contactees, and some of those, those experiences are very similar too. And, you know, I've been told through this meditation that what I'm doing is linked to that stuff directly which is a weird thing for me to accept because I've never had the classic, you know, UFO contact experience at all. I've never even seen a UFO, but it's been communicated to me that, you know, this stuff is tied to that, to that stuff. But yeah, weirdly enough, I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't, there's not, I, I'm, I'm kind of in a club of my own, which is just, and, and, and again, it's like, I don't, there's no, there's no like cockiness. It's, it's weird. And it's been a bit alienating to me getting the occult and then suddenly initiating this process of knowledge and conversation with your holy guardian aliens and then thinking, Oh, cool. You know, I'm going to go to a cult conference. Like everybody's going to be talking about this, right? Like, cool. We're on this. I want to meet some people that are into the stuff that I'm into. And then being like, there's nobody <laughs> that's yeah. into the stuff I'm into. I'm like, yeah, no. And it's like, it's, it's, it's a bit alienating. It, it's a bit weird. It weirds me out because it seems very obvious to me. Like, Oh, weed's legal. Like weed meditation, right? No, <laughs> it's completely, completely vacant. Like occult stuff, knowledge and conversation with the gar Holy guardian angel. That's what you're trying to do. Right? No, I'm like the only one writing about this kind of thing. So yeah, very, very strange. And I, other, yeah, I mean, other than Grant Morrison, who did the Invisibles years ago, and I must say Robert Anton Wilson wrote about it in Cosmic Trigger. If you read that book, some of the similarities to what he talks about with the gongitation is very similar, even to the whole, I mean, he talks, he tells a story about hearing, you know, voices in his head that are, are, are talking to him about forgiveness when he was going through a difficult time. And this is identical to what I've experienced where you're in these meditational states. And first of all, when I started doing this stuff, there was about a six month period where it was like computer updates were being installed into my brain for like six months straight. And that's in my hypnagogic state. So I'd come out of like a sleep state and it would seem like, you know, that's how it went down. It was like, it was like computer updates. It was like, there was a process that was installing information into my psyche at speeds that my conscious mind, there was no way that could comprehend. And it went on for about six months. And then eventually these things seemed to be proud of themselves one night. And also this seemed to be drawn from the sexual energy of my wife who I just started dating at the time. It seemed like her moving in with me had, had initiated this process. And so it was like combining our spiritual energies. And, and, and so this happened. And then eventually one night they were proud of themselves and they, and they showed me this, this vision, which I still don't understand. And I, I, it was like a fun house mirror that was repeating and it took like a nature scene and like warped back and showed like, okay, this is repeating in like a hundred different dimensions as, as essentially kind of what they showed me. And it was like this repeating vision over and over again. And yet I still don't really entirely understand. I mean, that's my interpretation is that that's represented that like the building blocks that build our reality extend out in a million different ways. Like you could build a million different things. Like, but it seemed like what these things did that I was communicating with when I started doing this is it is they built 
a kind of language translation device in, in my psychic states, whereas by they want to talk in this subjective metaphorical language of telepathy, and what they built was something that would sort of translate that language into English that I can understand. So just like, you know, and if you read this book, so just like Robert Anton Wilson had this experience where he's being taught about forgiveness and compassion by these entities, I mean, like, it's, it's roughly the same thing that started happening to me. Like, I, and that sounds crazy, like you're hearing voices in your head. Like, we, from a Western standpoint, say, schizophrenic but i'm like no 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 no, not like when i'm awake or like playing music or or at work it's like when i go intentionally put myself in this state i started to have this com that's kind of the conversation end of this knowledge and conversation thing is where these things started talking to me and as i find out if, if what they were saying was crazy i'd be able to dismiss it but not only is not what they're saying what they're what these things are telling me not crazy but furthermore they have an understanding of the world the supposedly material world that i live in that I absolutely don't have. And that's another thing that this book demonstrates. It's like, if somehow I, you know, if this is all in my head, then how does something in my head know things about the future that end up happening that there's really no way I could have known? Because some of these things are like, there's there's no way, you know? Yeah, <laughs> there's just no way. Like, yeah, I mean, it, there, one thing actually I, I will talk about specifically is I had a dream about, I would have been working for this company for, for um, for five years at this point and the company got bought by a larger company which I, most of us that work there and I got laid off and I had a dream about this six months before it happened it would be illegal for me to know any anything about this like you literally legally you from a materialist state it's like oh you must have known that was happening you must have caught wind of it like no it's it would have been illegal for this company the higher ups of this company because it's a tr publicly traded company you're not allowed to tell people this kind of thing so it literally would have been illegal for me to have any information about this thing that was going to happen that ended up happening happening six months after I had a dream about it and publicly documented the dream that I had about it. So, you know, it's stuff like that. That's just like, yeah, you know, it's, it's again, I, it, as far as I know, in 2016, there was one book that came out about contacting extra, extra dimensional forms of intelligence through uh, hash based sex magic. And, and, you know, and, and it, that's, that's transmissions from outside of time. And, and I would love, yeah. I would love for the, like, I want there to be another book about it more than anyone else. Like I would love more than anything to be like, Oh shit, you did that too. Sweet. I'm going to, you know, I, I want to come on your podcast or I want to have a conversation with you so we can like trade notes, but you know, Hey, I can just try my best to push it in the direction. So other people actually experiment with this stuff. I think it's gotten such a nasty reputation as being an occult thing that I guess it's kind of my duty to say, you know, I mean, as I've joked around before, I mean, the sex aspect of it weirded me out. And that's part of why I didn't get it. I had to be summoned into this stuff. But what I had to confront when I first started doing it was just like, um, you know, before I started doing this, I kind of spent half my time like smoking pot and obsessing about sex anyways and watching internet porn. So, you know, I was doing it anyways. And like, isn't, aren't, isn't like half of hip hop lyrics these days, which are like the most po popular form of music. It's, it's about the combination between sex and drugs, you know? So, you know, there's something there that's going on that I don't think we really need to look at it in a, in a negative light. And, and one of the things that the, the, the creepy vibe that's, associated with the occult you know and and you know i definitely think crowley is largely responsible for this and but it's really organized religions uh, attempt to stamp out people from experimenting with this stuff you know i'm like there's so many there's so many people that have this creepy and, and these people are real that it's like i'm in the occult it's just creepy evil demon worship and i'm like 
aren't we talking about like fucking on acid? Like that, that, that makes you feel all creepy and weird. Cause like, that was like the coolest thing that ever happened to me. Like, you know, that was awesome. Like, I, I, don't, know, I don't know where you're getting the dark vibes from this. Like this seems to be like pretty fucking amazing. This seems like the height of pleasure as far as I can tell. Like, this is like the most fun you're going to have as a human being. Like, uh, yeah. So again, what separates me from other occultists, I mean, I was summoning this stuff. I'm not really attracted to the dark vibes that are associated with the occult, the occult, and yet that's what kept me away from it for years. You know. So, anyways, I think that's what keeps a lot of people away from it. You know, this whole, uh, you know, this whole idea that's been manufactured in popular culture that, you know, the occult is some dark clad, very pale person. You know, with bad intent. You know, yeah. chanting over some kind of weird altar. You know what I mean? And and I'm not saying that that doesn't happen or that isn't a thing, but you know, I think the connotations are pretty far from what the actual reality is. You know, the actual reality is that a lot of people have various various ways of doing things and various ways of contacting the things that are that are outside of themselves or within themselves on these higher planes and, and exercising their own human ability to do that. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not this strange, shady, weird, creepy thing that a lot of people think it is. But as I found out writing about the internet, it is because a lot of people have turned it into that. <laughs> so, I mean, it's unfortunate, but it's true. Uh, you know, it's, this is what I've had to come to terms with. And like, why I'm distancing myself from chaos magic, you know, it's like, I've had to come to terms with like, I'm coming in with this kind of Robert Anton Wilson, attitude that, oh, you know, it's not just, you know, you know, it's, this is just the, de this is just the religious rights demonization of sex and drugs. I mean, he literally has a book called Sex, Drugs, and the Occult, which I read at a very young age, which is talking about yeah. this kind of stuff. And, yeah. and yet realizing though, that because the church and organized religion has done such a good job of turning it into, this is creepy, evil stuff. This is demon worship. Then uh, most of the people that get into this do in fact get into it from that angle of, Ooh, I want to be evil and do demon worship. And then that's, then what tripped me out was coming to the realization that even where Robert Anton Wilson, he's talking about Aleister Crowley as being like the original hippie. Oh, he was just the original hippie. You know, all his, I am the great beast. I am evil. His, that was just a, a an act. It was just a practical joke that, is not true. Robert Hinton Wilson was totally wrong about that and Aleister Crowley. Aleister Crowley believed in the supreme power of being a total asshole. He was an alcoholic, I mean, and it was this one thing, I had this version of Crowley in my head and then I read more about him, I'm like, whoa, what, wait, what? Like, this dude, like, this guy is supposedly a fucking genius? Like, you're kidding me, right? Like, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's a preposterous concept. To believe that Aleister Crowley was some sort of a, a some sort of a master magician, you have to believe that an alcoholic, junkie, spendthrift sex addict can somehow be a master of the will. Like, no, it's not happening. You're any one of those things, you have no willpower. Any one of them. Like, and not only that, the guy he was, he was goth, he liked to, I mean, he, he wasn't a hippie, he was goth. He was straight up goth as shit. You know, I mean, it's just yeah. true. He shaved his tooth to a point so he could bite women. Like, people that were friends with him turned him yeah. into a horror movie villain. Literally, like, we hung out with this guy at a party, and he, oh, man, that guy would great make a great horror, horror movie villain. That's not a hippie. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. the guy the guy yeah. believed in the supreme power of being an asshole. He liked to surround himself with the macabre and, you know, the disgusting. He liked to sleep with the cheapest, ugliest prostitutes that he could find. You know, he was a dick to everyone. He blew, yeah, like, he was a total moron. But, well, Wilson also talked about that uh you know it's all about he, he recommends the 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 movie f is for fake by orson wells and the concept of 
you know, it's the myth, not the reality, you know? So this myth of Crowley inspired so many people who, you know, Richard Metzger, who we were talking about earlier, is on the History Channel talking about how Aleister Crowley was like the original hippie. And it's just like, that's not even sort of accurate. Like Aleister Crowley is, you know, he's more like Marilyn Manson or a guy who like really wanted to play up the image of, ooh, um, you know, a negative creep, even though, you know, there, it's not like, it, it's more complicated than that because there was some nuance. Like he didn't, he was in fact, you know, trying to liberate humanity, but no, he, he was a guy who was goth as shit and wanted to be the creepy evil villain weirdo and was a total asshole to everybody. And most of his magic blew up in his face because of it. When you read about his life, it's like the guy spent the last 20 years of his life as an alcoholic junkie, penniless alcoholic junkie, you know? So, and, and, and so I think there's a, a, a potent lesson to be learned from something like that, but unfortunately that's where the occult is. You know, it's like a lot of people that are into the occult, are that, and this is why I actually ended up writing about Crowley on Disinfo because he got oh. voted like the most popular uh, occultist. And it was really because in talking about it, um, magic online is seeing that most people, people that are into Crowley, a lot of them are total fucking assholes because they're trying to emulate him. And after running into like the fourth or fifth asshole that was like a total dick to me, that was a total Crowley devotee, it was like, yeah, you know what? Um, okay, fine. I'm going to write about why I don't like Curly. And, but I, I had to see it firsthand. Like I thought it was sort of harmless that Wilson, you know, was wrong about this guy, but then realizing that, you know, Curly is more of a goth icon than a hippie icon. And he makes sense as a goth icon. And there's a reason that these goth people are into him. And it's because, you know, they, they emulate his assholishness and they, you know, they think that's what a master is, is someone who's a total dick and who wants to be evil. And that's what they want to do. And I, I think, there's a very interesting conversation to have about that because the conversation is if you try and intentionally manifest negativity, it works. <laughs> if you want to say, Hey, I want negative, horrible, awful things to happen. It's going to work. You know, being an alcoholic junkie is pretty awful, you know, <laughs> and that guy spent, you know, a good 20 odd years of his life as a penniless alcoholic. You know, if you want, if you want hell, you can have hell, you know, and this idea that you can practice magic without, the idea of karma is, you know, ridiculous because in my, in my experience, every communication that I've had with my holy guardian, guardian alien or whatever the fuck you want to call it has had to do with the consequences of my actions to some degree. And so it's, yeah. you know, and, and yet that is such contra in chaos magic groups. When I see that I've seen people discuss my stuff in chaos magic groups and they will just gloss over that. They'll, I, they'll, have, I have too. I have yeah. too. They just gloss over. Like, they will completely ignore the message about karma that I'm trying to say. They will talk about every other aspect of my piece and just be like, no, well, we want the occult to be this evil thing that has no consequences and has nothing to do with karma and you're going to be an evil evil fucking creep, essentially. Lots of sex abuse, too. I'm sorry. It's like I read this stuff. Lots of fucking creepy sex offenders who are in the occult. Yeah, it's so, sad because, you know, these people take the the concept of the left-hand path. And they, yeah. and you know, like you said, they think they're being this, like, you know, this dark wizard that's running the, you know, walking the left hand path. But it's like, if you, if you read the original proponents of the quote unquote left hand path, you know, a lot of the original tantric schools of India or whatnot, the left hand path was still, was, was number one, didn't mean just being a complete asshole. You know, like you yeah. said, they, they had a serious acknowledgement of karma without any doubt and it was still for the purpose of liberation you know what i mean it wasn't just to totally indulge yourself in every whim and pleasure and just be a dick to everyone that that couldn't be further yeah. from the truth you know 
Absolutely, yeah. No, and that's, that's why people, you know, the, the popularity of Crowley is really damaging to the occult. Not only that, it's why it's, I think, again, we're going back to Wilson. Wilson likes to talk about in Cosmic Trigger how Crowley gave the gift of, you know, he preserved the tradition of weed-based sex magic to Western society. And yet, I'm here, Cosmic Trigger was written, what, like, God, 40 years ago now, and I'm the only one writing about it. And the occult was way more popular back in Crowley's time than it is now. So... Did he really popularize this stuff to Western society, or did he help bury it? And he, he, yeah. helped, he helped bury it. I mean, I'm sorry. It's like there's no one even doing it like at this point in human history. And it's because – and the people that are going to get into it are getting into this complete – and you're exactly what you said about the left-hand path. Anyways, yeah, like what – here's my concept of black magic. Like I am one of – like I would say, yes, I engage in black magic. I have no problem in saying that. But what it is is kind of the nature of the demonic or the daemonic as I like to call it. And I look at the daemonic as materialism, as you know, scientism, as really studying your, like that order, like that – you know, the triumph of materialism over the spirit. And I engage in that. Like I can say – and more is as a force of order. And I don't I – don't, I apply that to what I do. That's helped me write good books. You know, it's nice to get high as fuck but, and get really out there, but it's another process to be able to turn that into a book or turn that into a record, and that requires the kind of demonic, repetitive way of looking at things, about looking at, you know, how effed up our society actually is, you know, you know not only that, but, you know, just, I hate to say it, it's like, you know, we, we sort of live in the lower realms or what or hell or purgatory and and you're kind of rewarded in this world for boring repetitious shit. And like and yeah. my pursuit into magic has you know, I, I had never finished a book. I've been in magic for doing two years ago. I'd never finished a book before I started doing magic. I now, this is my third book. I wrote one that's out of print long ago. So it's just the second of the trilogy, but now I've now finished three books in the last 10 years, you know, and my music got way better. But a lot of this was thinking about it from this more uh, daemonic perspective of like, you got to look at this in the material world. It, it's nice to be idealistic about the way shit works. It's another one to actually acknowledge here's the way shit works, you know? It's nice to, like, right. come out with a piece of art and not do any PR on it. It's another thing to realize that there's reason musicians have, like, PR people doing all this shit for them is, you know, it, so it's it, it really is getting in tune with how fucking weird our world is and how materialistic, but, you know, I, that's, that's so that's the funny, is, like, our culture worships the demonic. That's the problem. <laughs> the problem is we worship the demonic. We worship materialism. We worship scientism, and it's not inherently bad. Like, it's not, that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know? This sense of order of discipline does in fact do amazing great things it's not evil though that's not evil <laughs> not only is it not evil but we worship it you know so you know again to criticize Crowley I'm like that guy wasn't a very demonic guy from that sense like he was a guy who had zero financial sense whatsoever he got hooked on drugs he got you know it was like it's that's those aren't demonic things. You got owned by your demonic side. You wanted to. You believed in this. You believe life could be a constant party, you know. And guess what? It is. It can't be. You can't just fucking. Par you can't just fucking party all the time. That's the angelic side of you that wants thinks that life should just be nothing but a fucking party, you know. It's the discipline side that says no. You actually have to work for shit, you know. And, and especially if you're not, you know, a rich guy, you got to work really fucking hard, you know. That's the way. Yeah. That's the way it is. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't. Just doesn't happen. Yeah, you know, just uh, overnight, you know, and it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's kind of, uh, it, I mean, it's kind of interesting uh, to think about the fact that really uh, the whole good evil debate in the occult, black magic, white magic, uh, everything is basically shades of gray. And, and honestly, the chaos magicians were the first people to kind of say that, but I don't think yeah. they really got the complexity of it 
and I, and I think you're getting the complexity of it, that it's not, it, 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 I would say this all the time, things usually are not moral judgments. There's very few moral absolutes, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's absolutely. about attitude. It's about the way that you approach things. Yeah, no, for, you know, absolutely. Yeah, no. And, and again, you consider what I mean, just sex magic in general is is sort of considered the left hand path to a certain because you're embracing, you know, phys physical pleasure, whereas every other spiritual tradition tells you and, you know, even, you know, Buddhism and when I, it's all about sobriety, you know, it's all uh, and, and asceticism. The, yeah. Yeah. And, the, and that's what I love about the occult is it's sort of the re religion of sex, drugs and rock and roll. And it says, you know, there's actually not not only do we not think that those are demonic, but those could be like the holiest of sacraments, you know. Uh, and and that's what's awesome about the occult. But it, you're right. It's just and again, it's like it's the stuff. Like thinking of it, I my my take is uh, you really can't understand this stuff unless you're looking at it from a more uh, Taoist yin yang perspective. From that perspective, it makes sense. And that and that's what's it's weird is is getting into the stuff has pushed me more to the to kind of the, that Taoist. Like that's the one. Uh, widely known spiritual belief where it's like, yeah, they don't look at this stuff as good and evil right along. They look at polarities of creation and I think more more of chaos and order. And the demonic is more the order. It's not really the chaos. Like that's, it's more the order. And, and, and you know, you see that manifested as evil in a lot of circumstances. I will say it's it's people's desire to impose order upon other people to 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 dominate religions, to stamp out religious beliefs, to impose, you know, hey, you can't use birth control, to oppose a pre-existing way of thing rather than embracing change that does lead to a lot of fun. I mean, the conservative movement in America is largely tied to this desire for order and we don't want things to change, you know. We don't want the demographic to be less white, you know. We want white people to still be, you know, it's like this. these are, we want to continually spend all our money on the military and spend even more, you know. It's, it's the desire to keep this order, which does end up translating as being very evil in a lot of different ways uh but anyway yeah <laughs> i i think that's exactly right and you know i mean that's kind of uh it's something I've, I've thought about oftentimes you know uh in terms of anarchist politics okay yeah when people use the dichotomy of order and chaos when they're talking about anarchist politics uh, uh they will consider anarchy which is a you know a, a full-blown kind of complex idea to be the same as chaos well it's actually very orderly what people are thinking of as order is imposed order from the powerful and the privileged down onto everybody else they're not thinking about order as in you know uh an orderly society a society that functions well and you know moves forward and and does dynamic things they're thinking about order as oppression yeah you know yeah. So, yeah. it, so these kind of false dichotomies, you know, it's kind of a flaw in our language, obviously, but it's also a flaw in the way our, we've allowed our languages to be controlled and, and ideas to be imposed on us. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, no, yeah. It's an anarchy. I mean, I... <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know exactly where you guys stand on anarchism. I, I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks... I, I agree with it to a certain extent, and yet it simultaneously gets very juvenile. To, I mean, to like think that like the public school system is like a bad thing or something, you know, and like I, you know, it's not all bad. Again, like we, like you know, we need societal structures. You know, it, with with total anarchy, things typically get worse. Like when the United States goes in and and destabilizes the shit out of a country, you know, does that make things better? No. <laughs> like the fact that there's no 
force policing these 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 areas makes things you know gra- drastically worse you know uh, in, in a lot of circumstances than they were before which is what I think what's so funny with a lot of anarchists you, you see a lot of these a lot of people they're like don't vote you know oh if you vote you're supporting the system and we and I even see people like oh we want Trump to win because if Trump wins I think Susan Sarandon even said something about this if Trump wins then the society will collapse it's like have you studied what happens when society collapses <laughs> like it, this has happened in other places. We're lucky enough in America that this has never really happened here, you know, outside of Detroit. Uh, but uh, sorry, jab at Detroit. Uh, but um, <laughs> but in uh, but yeah, no, it's like this does not go well when society society collapses. This does not things don't magically get better. Most of the time, they get even worse and even more corrupt. Like that's what happens. And, and military order is imposed. A very shoddy, uh, chaotic military order is imposed uh, on this front. Actually, weirdly enough, this story ties to Youngstown. And I get I, I get on these podcasts, and it's so funny. I I, I end up talking about theory, and 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 I want to talk about. It. Really, I think I'm kind of more of a a spiritual raconteur than anyone else. Like I said, I I got more weird fucking stories, you know, yeah. about experiences with you know talking to gods uh, quote unquote than, than than anyone and and this concept of order and the demonic actually had been i've never talked about this in any other podcast i think i've written about it a couple facebook posts about it but a very interesting experience so i got into magic because of psychedelics and so i was living in columbus going to ohio state and so i talked about this relationship with an ancient demon uh the the daemon enlil so i mean I, i'm literally like the guy who's talking about karma and all this stuff. And I'm simultaneously on the other hand saying like, oh yeah, I have another book that's coming about, about my relationship with this ancient demon that I've been communicating with for the last decade, you know? So, you know, and and, and so it's weird that I'm the one, you know? And it's, again, people just sort of gloss over that. Let's never, you know? So anyways, this this dialogue with this demon started and I realized ultimately when I took way too much acid when I was a college student at Ohio State. Uh, because, uh, man, if I was to speculate, it was when I was, I would say 98, maybe, 98, 99. Um, so, and it's so funny too, because this Wiccan kid sold me these gel tabs. Uh, and so this is like the one time I've done way too much acid. Um, and so, and it was gel tabs. I did them the week before. It was really strong. And I, in, in retrospect too, I find it hilarious that it's a Wiccan kid that sold me. It was, he was like a gutter punk, you know, Wiccan kid, you know, and it's, it's just so pertinent that he's the one that sold me this acid that put me in contact with this uh, with this Damon. Um, so um, he sells me this acid, and this is the one time I took acid. And acid normally takes like an hour at least to kick in, right? So I did this stuff within 15 minutes. I was seeing portals to other dimensions with just you know the classic transcendent art, which is you know beyond description. You know you can look at some of my art and some of the art of Luke Brown and get a rough idea of what I'm talking about here, but it's just utterly mind-blowing shit. And there's just like portals. I remember taking to my kitchen apartment in Ohio State at the time and like looking and like there's these portals to other dimensions opening up. Eventually I was like hanging out with some other friends that weren't tripping and like I was tripping so hard. I'm like, I can't even be around you guys right now. It's like, this is like, I I have, so I went down and my uh, neighbor was out. I had the key because I think I was uh, like watching his apartment or something. So I had to, went, went down and hung out there. And eventually the wall to the apartment receded and I was face to face with this uh, what I call the thousand eyed God within who I've developed a relationship with, you know, ongoing after that. And it was just this weird, bizarre, almost like HR Geiger esque looking like entity with a thousand black obsidian eyes in, and literally the wall receded. And I'm just like staring at this, you know, multi eyed art bean. And, you know, this sounds terrifying, but I've had to, I've had to 
ask myself what, what this is about my personality. And, and, and I guess, you know, I'm descended from this kind of demonic ilk to a certain extent. Like, why does this, I fully ignore, acknowledge that looking at this thing would be like absolutely horrifying to most people. And yet with me, I'm like, fucking cool, man. You know, like, wow. You know, like, I don't know. I, I like a tool video or something like, you know, those videos back when I was in the nineties, like the weird stop puppet animation, like it's really dark and weird. And yet it's cool looking too. You know, a lot of people like, you know, they, they've sold a gajillion records because people look at, and that's Geiger, like the same thing like the, the idea was like and, and this thing was like kind of like possessing a, a, a concept of ownership which weirded me out too so it's like this thing that presents itself and it's like we are you know hey you i'm in contact with you i sort of own you and all, the sense of timelessness i've always been here you know i'm always here like i exist in this realm that is beyond the way that you examine time you know the way the way that you understand and process time and, and it gets weirder from there i remember putting on a cd and getting kind of possessed by these insectile entities and, and dancing like i mean the one time i took way too much time so i made contact with this what i call the thousand Isle god within later when i get into magic it's eventually told to me that this is the daemon enlil uh and uh, Again, confirmed by other people. It, it'd be one thing to say, hey, this is just something that happened to me. My wife had a transmission, which I write in my first book, while we were having sex. Had no idea I was doing sex magic, where it was it communicated her the same thing. I didn't know what was going on. I had never told her this stuff, you know? And then and also, I talk about this remote viewing experiments in my book, because it was told to me, this association, right after December 20, 21st, 2012. All of a sudden, it's like, they had been insinuating that I had this connection to this ancient demon. And then right after 2012, it's like, yeah, here's what that demon is. Like, you weren't allowed to know the name of this demon until now now you know it and so i was so weirded out and it was so hard for my rational mind to accept this until and so i did a remote viewing experience with the writer gabriel d roberts and i gave him the target of my guardian demonic entity and he said and he came up with the same thing i was like if he comes up with eyes or insects like it's gonna freak me the fuck out he came up with both he went into a remote viewing trance that was the target he draws a picture of like this multi-eyed thing and it like what he's saying it, it kind of has a fly and, it, and an insectile vibe to it i mean so just so anyways, but yeah so this is confirmed by two outside sources it wasn't just me like being like they're telling me this it was like okay this came from my wife and now i did a remote viewing experience where it came from somebody else and we're going getting back into traditional magic and like uh say the work i read the work of a bremelin recently and this is what led me astray about the holy guardian alien thing is realizing that there's a guardian demon and a guardian alien like that or our guardian angel like that's right in the literature it tells you that it's like you have a guardian demon and a guardian angel like and, and this is the concept remember the looney tunes with like the devil and the angel on your shoulder talking about decisions sure, you know yeah. there's this idea that this is really like this is what you're doing when you get in the occult you're communicating with these kind of spiritual advisors you have one is helping you in the lower realms the demonic and the other is helping you get to the higher realms the angelic and i'd realized for years that i was communicating with this demonic entity and thinking it was my angelic energy enemy because that's what i had been told in the occult literature that i've read so wait, it's back to the story in order. So it's get, get, getting a long-winded. So just recently in a trance state, I had this vision where it was in this kind of a dream vision where I'm literally like behind a screen and I'm this sort of entity that's behind like kind of like an almost an enormous computer display screen. And what's on this screen is all these circular little portals um, of basically people's subjective experience. So it's not like it's looking at these people that it's monitoring from a third person perspective. It's looking from their first person perspective. So it's basically looking at a monitor of basic of different 
for different humans incarnated in the time stream and what those people are doing right now. And the implication is that, and this is something I've been told before, is that these things can control up to, and numbers get kind of skewed in this, which I've been told, but like up to like nine to 10,000 people, I think eight to 9,000 people at once. So you're literally doing these demons. So what they're doing is they're literally controlling something like 9,000 people in the human time stream. And God only knows how many of these demons are, are or demonic forms of intelligence at once. And what it's showing me is on this other side where it's flipping through all these uh, viewpoints and it's almost like looking at a security camera and then it kind of taps on one of them and then it enters their world and starts kind of controlling them and I had these dreams where I'm like scrolling through the screen and then I'm tapping on it I'm like okay that needs attention right now go in possess this person for a brief period of time uh, come back and then you're looking at the screen again okay now what do I need to do okay now that person going to control their life at this point and I'm going to go in there and it wasn't until meditating the rest of the next day that what I realized is what I had just seen was the other side of the eyes that I'd seen in this acid hallucination years earlier, I'm looking at this thousand-eyed entity, and then, you know, like over, you know, like 15 years later or something, in this trance, I'm basically shown, here's what it looks like from the other side of the eyes. Like, this 10,000-eyed entity is like, we're, we're literally looking into all these different human realities and subtly manipulating things behind the scenes. And weirdly enough, this all ties to Youngstown, because uh, I have I had a dream where I was on uh, Market Street in Youngstown, right near where I used to, where I grew up, and sure. just recently, and that was sort of the dream. It was this communication from um, from uh, this kind of demonic – it was about the nature of the demonic uh, uh, the demonic intelligence. And what it showed me is it went from this thing as like here's a bunch of people standing in the middle of the woods and here's society. And here's a bunch of people standing in the middle of the woods. And now you're on Market Street where there's all this pavement and all these stores. And like it went over and over again, back and forth, like a bunch of people standing in the woods – Pavement society, bunch of people in the standing in the woods, modern society. And what it's communicating to me is that literally that these demonic, these demons, you know, uh, are creating this by taking control of thousands of people at once and guiding the scenes, guiding the hand of consciousness behind society. And this is how our, our world was created, which goes way back to these temples and kind of Graham Hancocky ancient alien stuff that, you know, that there are these entities on the other side of reality that have literally been controlling thousands of people at once. And that's what created our society. Like we would just be a bunch of hicks, you know, living in the middle of nowhere if these things hadn't done this. Like it's these kind of bizarre uh, demonic forms of intelligence that literally created culture. And again, you look at Sumeria and culture did just come out of fucking nowhere, you know, and they worshiped this demon, this Enlil, who I supposedly have a connection with. So it's literally <laughs> showing you, it's like, look, and, and like, I just told the story, like, that's the most utter batshit, like, story probably anyone has told on this, uh, on your show. And yet, do I have any, do I have any explanation for why this couldn't be true? Do I have, you know, like, I don't, I don't, there's, I have no logical reason why that can't be true, why there aren't, you know, maybe our society was created by these things. And, and, and weirdly enough, it's this balance between good and evil, where the angelic, it's it's bizarre is because I like that my, my guardian demon right or, or Damon as like I, I, it's weird I write this but I don't say that word all the time uh, so my guardian uh, Damon uh, is is sort of you know there was a point where I kind of had a confrontation because like a lot of what these things do like starting wars and whatnot and let's go back to the Bible where that is what God does it's like you know hey go kill all these people and go kill all these people and and, and so the and so I was kind of like you know how could you this is horrible what you're doing like you know from a perspective you, you're responsible for all these things like getting people hooked on cocaine and like alcohol in our culture and and all these wars and, and the demon is just like 
human lives don't fucking matter, man. You know, it's like, it all goes back to the source. Like you're looking at this from this perspective that human lives are really important and they're not really like, we're looking at it from a perspective that you guys are sort of like insects and we're building a society. And then the angelic form kind of came in and said, you know, it's way better down there. You know, like you should have seen it before, before your guardian demon did this crazy shit, creating society. You should have seen how fucking fucked up and bad it was. You know, it's like, cause people are, you know, worried about getting eaten by wolves and shit back then. And half their kids died, you know? So that, that, that was very weird to have the angelic basically say like, yeah, you know that we sanctioned, we wanted him to do all this. This, this looks horrible from your perspective, but you know, it, it, it did create this sense of order where now, you know, if a woman has three kids, two of them aren't going to die. And, you know, you know, any, you know, basic, basic stuff like that, you know, as awful as it looks, really, the point was to create order and create culture to actually make things better and more stable. So over, was, over a real long period over, of time, I suppose. Yes, I mean, I mean, a ridiculously, my, my, a ridiculously long period of time. Exactly. Over yeah. thousands you know you know yeah. i i doubt that anybody's life in uh in sumer was really any better than their life 100 years before when they were still hunter gatherers yeah except it was probably worse because then you had an emperor who was going to arbitrarily send you to war for no reason yeah you know what i mean you had you had the same standard of healthcare and you were probably going to starve anyway because they were actually taking more of the food that you grew and yeah. they could just send you off to war at any time and honestly, I don't I don't know that things have changed all that much in the last six thousand years since then. Uh, I, I think it's maybe marginally better. And certainly it's more comfortable. We'll yes. say that. It's more comfortable. I think we tend to look at really negative aspects of our society because that's what the news feeds us. You know, and I agree. There are awful aspects of society. And you know, and and hey, we might be the one thing that people don't talk about is environmental disaster. I mean, we might be headed for some I mean, like lots of people, lots of people very well might die here. Like I don't think there's any gonna be any kind of apocalypse, but I would say in the next couple hundred years, we're gonna have to deal with the population the, the the idea that we might go from like eight billion people to like five billion people or something like that. Like literally like billions of people might die because of this. Very you know possibly, yeah it, maybe even more dramatic. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and that's that. I mean, that's something we talk about a lot. You know, kind of strays from the topic. Um, uh, you, you know, one of the unfortunate things that I've thought about recently, recently is that the majority of those people who are going to die are going to be people who have no effect on this, right? People in the third world who are not contributing to carbon emissions in any significant way yeah. are going to die, whereas people in the industrialized nations who are vastly using the carbon resources and contributing to the problem are probably going to survive, you know? So yet again, it's going to be poor folks and, you know, non-European, non-American people who are going to be punished for yeah. the faults of centralized government. You know what I mean? It's, it's going to be some ugly shit. And you know, what I've seen too is like, I don't think people are going to immediately, I, I think the people, rich people are going to be fine to a large extent and poor people are going to suffer even worse. You know, I, I think we'll eventually wake up. What I've been shown specifically, and I talk about this, like one of the passages in this book that I downloaded was basically sort of telling me that like, this is all happening because you, we need you to wake up. Like you need to wake the fuck up. Like we're forcing you. Like we let you recede into this place where you don't think that life is a dream and you're convinced that materialism is, is real. But what all this stuff is doing, like the environment, it's going to push us to finally, it was, it's been easy for us to acknowledge the kind of science of spirituality and psychedelics and altered states of consciousness. But if thing gets bad enough, we're going to be forced, you know? And, and, and I think, you know, it's interesting that say the military is, is researching MDMA therapy for the exact reason that they have such uh, 
a PTSD problem. Like normally they would never like we fought a war against this stuff. We're not going to endorse this, but they have such a PTSD problem that they're forced to now. And and, and I think this is what's going to happen with society is we're we're going to have to confront the fact that consumerism has destroyed the environment. And, and we're going to have to turn in. We can't ignore this spirit science stuff because, you know, say two, two billion people die. Like 100 years ago, 200 years ago, the occult was way more popular than it is, was because so many people were dealing with death. That's a large part of why the occult was so popular is because so many people had experienced death of children and death of loved ones that, you know, they were looking for answers. And say billions of people die again. This, the fact that science is just going to continually ignore death is going to be, it's going to be a lot harder to ignore if something like that happened or if the environment gets so bad that no one wants to go outside. So we're forced to do indoor activities like meditating and, you know, taking psychedelics in caves, which as far as I can, you know, or an underground weird simulated devices, you know, uh, the most radical thing to capitalism is the idea that I point out over and over again, the idea that you can get better kicks tweaking your own brain chemistry than you're ever going to get playing a fucking video game or buying a product, you know, it's like, yeah. that is, that is what people, that is what capital hate capitalism hates about spirituality. What we are talking about chaos magic and how lame it is. And a lot of this stuff is again, it's because people are trying to fit it into capitalism, right? People are like, how do I make money off this? Well, I got to teach you a class, you know, even if it doesn't work that way. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, and Hey, I, str I struggle with this myself. I would love to get to the point where my writing made me enough money that I didn't have to work a day job, but you know, I have to be that douchebag. That's like the only way to get paid is like selling books and God, it's, I can't believe the amount of people that are like flip you so much. Oh, all, all new age spiritual movie. You're just trying to hawk books. I'm like, that's the only viable way I could, you know, if I wanted to work for the church, I could go up this, I could have gone to seminary yeah. school for the fucking what else, church. You what know? else do you expect somebody to do? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You know, and we've struggled with this too. You know, I mean, we, uh, uh, you know, Pat and I, we talk about, you know, you know, uh, ad doing advertising, getting the podcast on various platforms, this, that, the other thing, you know, and it like, it, I think it both, it makes both of us feel slimy. Yeah, but like, yeah me too. But you, you have know, to. How, how else are you supposed to, how else are you supposed well, to do something? You know, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's funny because this is really like the main lesson I've pulled from the, uh, the Yi Ching. Have you, do you study the Yi Ching, uh? I haven't, you know, I must confess, but please educate me. Yeah, no, I don't know a whole lot about the I Ching, but yeah. Well, no, uh, it. it's, it's fucking awesome, man. You really ought to get into it. But one of the main it lessons I've really learned from it, it, it doesn't even really have anything to do with the divination aspect of it, but just studying the concept of yin and yang and how it seems that the universe really works through leverage. You know, like, like you were saying earlier, yeah. you know, getting over this idea of duality and realizing that there's a polarity here, right? So, you know, we're in this capitalist, consumeristic system, right? Now, it's given us a lot of comfort. It's done a lot of horrible things. It's probably going to ruin the planet, right? But it's like yeah. it all serves a purpose in the end. Like we had to go through this extremely yang, this super polarized yang period to sort of rebalance things into a more holistic uh, hopefully more holistic period, you know, in the future. And it, it's like, yeah. when you understand this, when you really try to get a grip on this, it's like, this is how nature actually works. It works through balancing and, you know, reverberating between these two poles of yin and yang, like everything, you know, on the microcosmic level and on the macrocosmic level, you really stop thinking in terms of like, Oh, you know, like you said earlier, like, Oh, anarchy wouldn't probably be that pretty if society just collapsed 
right? Like if society yeah, were no. just to disintegrate right now, we'd probably be in legitimate chaos, like people killing and raping and pillaging each other. But if yeah, we absolutely. reached anarchy organically through sort of it evolving out of this system to where we use this system as like a platform for it, then I think it would actually work. You know what I mean? So it, it's like yeah. you could use whatever situation you're in and use it as a way to sort of propel yourself into a higher state into a, or into a more holistic state by using the, the, the current situation, by, by leveraging the current situation. So it's like, you know, this, this, you know, issue we're at, we're at yeah. now, um, you know, we're, we're all stuck. We're here, here trying to make a living studying magic and doing art or whatever. It's like, yeah, it's tough. It's difficult. You got to do what you got to do. You got to survive. You got to eat and whatnot. But I mean, at the end, if we leverage it right, it truly does serve a bigger purpose in the end of the day. Cause I mean, we are here at probably the most pivotal point in all of human history. You know what I mean? So if we don't make, if we're not this 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 system is causing us to be better magicians or to be better artists or to be better philosophers yeah. because of how difficult it is to be it in the first place if that makes sense you know yeah it's 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 very difficult and weirdly enough yeah along the lines of what you're saying is i've been kind of showing this a lot recently you know it's weird it's like whatever I'm communicating with, you know, does try and kind of fuck with me a little bit. And, you know, again, there's, there's a great deal of humor in this, in these, uh, conversations. And yeah, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, Hey, we're, we're, we're pushing you to do magic. Like, you know, and there's been this kind of telling me, you know, kind of like fucking with me. It's like, you know, you know, the good guys are losing, right? Like you can't just like sit back. Like you need to like work on what you do because like you're losing right now. Currently you're the, the demonic, the demonic side is dominating and the spirit is being shut out, you know? And it's sort of like challenging you. I mean, like, you know, you need to like, you need to do what you can. Like you need to, you need to get involved and do, and do everything that you can to fight this stuff because, you know, there's, you know, it's, it's legit. Like, you know, if you don't, like the consequences are, you know, it's, it's essentially right now it's like materialism is winning. You know, that's what they keep showing me. It's like, it's winning, you know, there's a potential to turn in the other direction, but it's going in the opposite direction. People I think are becoming more atheistic and more, you know, I think things like atheism and, and, and sadly enough, like the, the militant atheism of like, uh, the, the new temple of Satan and whatnot is in yeah. fact like a bigger movement than the occult, you know, or, or, or weed sex magic and, and, in psychedelic culture, as much as I like it, it's really never really take shamanism seriously. You know, it, 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 it's just all about recreationally using psychedelics, which I, I like, but again, there's, there's so much potentiality there that we're just leaving on top so we can, you know, go to Burning Man or whatever, which I've never been to Burning Man, but, uh, <laughs> that's like, you know, the big thing in psychedelic culture. And, and, you know, you're, you know, and I have to agree with you spirits. It's like, you're right. You know, they're kind of kicking me ass. It's like, you know, like, look, like you're losing right now, you know, you you got to turn this thing around. Like, I think you can turn around, but you're losing. And they like to point that out to me. It's just like, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's yeah, no. And I agree. And I think the point was, I think technology though, uh, the upside that I always see is information technology. We haven't even, it's such a new thing that we haven't even seen how radically it's going to be able to change society. And I, and, and I yeah. hope, hopefully Bernie Sanders can, can potentially, I, I, I don't know if he's going to win, but even if he doesn't, hopefully the next time we'll get a candidate like that. But he's demonstrating right now the power of information technology and, and social media because the media has been against him. The media became so corrupt because of, you know, politics in the 90s and whatnot. Yeah. And, 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 but. And he was completely ignored and, yeah. yeah. 
but, but yet he still became incredibly successful through the use of new information in social media. It would have been impossible. And it makes me wonder things like, would the Iraq war ever happened with social media? And I'm thinking, no, like, I think if social media was around back in like 2001 or, you know, uh, when we went to war with Iraq in 2002, 2001, I don't think people would have supported the war in Iraq. Like, I think the media would have been not telling them the truth, but I think they would have been going to social media and being like, wait a minute, like, you know, this is going to be a disaster, you know? It's like all the information was out there that the Iraq war was going to be a complete fucking disaster before it happened. Like, that that information was all available. It's just right, the, news, yeah. the, the news wasn't telling you that, you know? I all know, the one thing I remember, forget about that, it was in the newspaper and it was buried, but it was George Bush Sr.'s, Talk, it was a thing in the newspaper on like page four talking before the Iraq war about exactly why he didn't invade, invade Iraq war during the first – invade Baghdad during, during the first Iraq war. And the reasons he laid out were exactly what fucking happened. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was like right. yeah. the military generals were not supporting that war. Like the people who were more anti it than anywhere were the high-ranking generals were like, this is a terrible fucking idea. If social media had been existed, existed right then, like I think that would have gotten out to the people and the media wouldn't have been able to bamboozle people into supporting that because we forget like something like 60% of Americans supported that fucking war because they thought that Iraq had something to do with Saddam Hussein, you know? So I think yeah. there is, I think information and technology and particularly for science, partially what I'm trying to do with my book is like, Hey, look, when I kept this dream journal, I ended up, you know, publicly ended up predicting the future. It's like, Hey, you try it, you know, you go out and try and use technology for the same purpose. You know, eventually it's going to be the point where even your hardest rationalists if enough people do this kind of thing are going to look at that and be like, okay, there's obviously a precognitive aspect of dreaming. You know, we can't just say that isn't real anymore. You know, it's like, it's been demonstrated over and over again. And whereas the media outlets are going to try and say, just like they're trying to tell you, Hey, Hillary is winning. Hillary dominating you know and yet if you believe the media bernie had no chance and bernie has put up an amazing fight even if he doesn't win i think it's you know it's it's it just says that the media it's gotten harder for an incredibly corrupt media system to lie to people <laughs> like it's it, i, and, I and think also, you're right and that's a that's a great thing that's you know? an amazing it's, thing it's yes. a fantastic <laughs> thing and, you know and i i think you're right about you know i think you're right about the atheism you know, I, I think you're right about material culture as we go further and further toward that uh, that ideology. Things are going to get worse and worse. You know, uh, we yeah. have to kind of bring things back into balance, as Pat was saying, you know. Yeah, no, it's we're, we're so out of balance with our spiritual nature. And what's bizarre is you just talked about the I Ching or the I Ching. And this is what one of the more interesting things that I found is like, you know, there's four or five things that I've played around with all that worked better than Christianity. I might point out because I was a Christian, yeah. you know, growing up, got I went to a, a church over there in Austin town. Got it. Yeah. I got to make it back to Youngstown one of these days. So I, I grew up, I come out. Yeah. yeah, man, I actually have people to visit there now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the weird thing is like, I literally have not been back there in probably like 17 years or something at this point because like most of the people that I knew, my family doesn't live anywhere there anymore. Most of the people I know left, uh, but I have to go back. Cause I have, like, I was just talking, I have weird dreams about being there like all the time. Cause I, I mean, I spent like, I don't know, 11 years or something there when I was younger. Uh, so, um, uh, I was kind of losing track there. So I've tried, you know, four or five different things. I've experimented with kind of chaos magic sigil techniques. I've experimented with, um, now I've done the kind of dream journaling, magic journaling, which is a practice I'd recommend to anybody. Seriously, start, start keeping a dream journal. See, again, it start, it gets, 
it gets weird because you start realizing that there's a coherence there that you probably didn't think there was and that you were probably dismissing. Uh, and, and sometimes it's even sequential in the coherence of it. It's like they're telling you things in sequence, like this is connected to that thing that we told you last week, and this is connected. Uh, and, and so I've tried Chaos Magic, that astral projection, which was one of the weirdest things I've ever done, psychedelic drugs, obviously, and I've done psychedelic drugs recreationally and ritualistically. But then there's all these things, and, and writing about this stuff on the internet, people are constantly saying like, oh, breathing work, the I Ching, uh, recommending this author and this author and this practice and this practice and it's mind-blowing how many different things there i'm like i'm somebody who's experimented a lot of this stuff and like i there are so many things that i've never tried or never even like researched that much you know and it's like so we are in this space where the entire rich history of human visionary experience and alternative esoteric spiritual practice has been edited out of all our academic um media and religious institutions like we have three different institutions academic media and religious who have just edited this shit out and said and, and there's this huge history of all these people who have had these experiences and studied it and we've just edited it all out you know we've we've just said you know those institutions have very effectively just said we're just gonna pretend that that shit doesn't exist that that never happens we're gonna edit that out of history and they've done it very effectively you know the vast majority of people myself included like i read about stuff all the time where I'm like, wow, I'd never heard of that before. Well, that's something I never tried. Well, that's an occult philosopher who is apparently really well renowned that I've never really read a whole lot about, you know, yeah. because it's all been it's all been intentionally edited out. You know, it's like it's and there's something very weird about that. And from what I've been showing, you know, there there's something about the the, the ordered side, you know, the, the kind of demonic aspect of ourself that has done that on purpose to 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 make us develop in a certain way, you know, and and um more than anything, though, I think the one thing that you can say is the more that you look at the world as being art rather than more of a scientific perspective, the more it makes sense because as fucked up as things are, as as awful as some things sound, man, it's good art. And if you can distance yourself from it, it's fucking trippy as hell. Man, our world is so fucking weird. And, and, and technology has given us the ability to even come to an understanding of how fucking weird it is and how incredible the story of six billion different micro stories combined into one thing and how many weird directions that goes. And not only that, just art in general. Like... It, we don't talk about, you know, from a, a standpoint of psychology, how we, your average person now, like a hundred years ago, you know, you didn't spend half your time engaging in some kind of art. Now, like even commercials are art, you know, we come home and we watch Netflix and we watch all this stuff. So we have become more art beings, you know, art focused beings. Like that's an aspect of our psychology that due to like even in the last 60, 70 years, it's like your average person now, it used to be just like you could read books and go to plays. Now everybody watches movies and we play video games and we listen to a million albums. And, you know, so from a standpoint of art, if the point was to be good art, it's hard to argue that that hasn't happened. And not only that, if the point was that all this awful stuff in capitalism wasn't good for art, well, it was in a way that shamanism never was. You know, as, as much as I, and this is maybe the distinction between saying shamanism and the occult, as much as I respect shamanism and there are some great shaman, shamanic artists there, again, there's that demonic side of how do you get this art out to other people? How do you really focus on it? How do you break it down? And, and you know, and, and so I think that merging with that side of our stuff, it's been great for art. <laughs> You know, I can say that it's like there's all right. kinds of great art out there. And just the more you look at the world as being art, the more it starts to make sense that from a perspective of art, well, you can't say it's not interesting. You can say it's fucked up. It's weird, but you can't say it's not interesting. It's like, man, oh, that's uh, true. Yeah, that's yeah. Definitely. And that's an interesting point. And, and it's one that's kind of uh, kind of gives me a little hope, you know. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, we are at our time, though. Gotcha. It always yeah. seems like it comes too soon. But uh, our guest has been Thad McCracken. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, first of all, tell people where they can buy the new book, Transmissions from Outside of Time. Uh, you can and, buy uh, it. tell people how to contact you. Yeah, you can buy it on Amazon. Um, it's uh, only a $5 download. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> honestly, it's like you. a lot of people pay more for a cup of coffee. Uh, but download books, weirdly enough, like most of that goes to me. So if you like what I had, you can read this book, Transmissions from Outside of Time, for only 5 bucks. Uh, you can also, if you want an autographed copy of the book, uh, DMIOccult at Bandcamp.com. Or I guess it's just DMIOccult.Bandcamp.com. Um, it's up there in the merch section. You can buy an autographed copy. Uh, also, if you're curious, I'm a musician too. Uh, a lot of my pro projects are up there that you can listen to. And um, I would recommend Black Science. Um, DMI TV uh, is on YouTube. So you can check me out there if you want to see what I look like. And I'm um, up there ranting in a couple of a uh, couple of the occult film, which still isn't out, but it's the prototype is up there too. Uh, so you can check that out. Um, my writing uh, continues to appear at disinfo.com. There's a, if you search Thad McCracken on Facebook, I'm sure my page will come up. Uh, my friends are maxed out, uh, unfortunately, but you can go like my page and I do respond to messages there too. So if you want to contact me, feel free to send me a message through there. Uh, it might take me a second to get back to you, but I've pretty much up to this point in my life answered every single message that someone has sent me on Facebook. So it might take me a couple weeks, but uh, I, I catch them all up. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Everybody go check out Thad McCracken. Check out the new book. One of the most interesting occult writers who's currently appearing and a good friend of the show. Uh, you'll find all that information, again, in the description to this video and podcast on wherever you're listening to us across the world. And uh, you can find more from Free Radical Media at freeradicalmedia.net on our Facebook page, Free Radical Media as well as uh, Twitter, Tumblr, all your major Instagram, all your major social media outlets. I want to thank that McCracken once again. Hey, for being thanks on the for show. having me out, guys. Yeah, definitely. I, I I think I'm probably going to make it back to Youngstown in the next probably year or so. And yeah, I'm going to hit you guys up. Yeah, for please sure. do. Yeah, that would be great. That would be fantastic. I am Eric Scott Picard. I think I am going to ganjitate tonight. <laughs> nice. After turning off the uh, podcast. Joined as ever by my co-host and co-founder, Patrick Ryan. For both of us and for Thad, thank you for listening to Free Radical Media. You have a good evening. <laughs>